to read the scriptures and to see the truth that is found in there, the wonderful truth that there's three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all our God. And today, Father, we want to make sure that we are not the ones saying, not me. I, I, I'm not deceived. I, I can't be deceived. We want to make sure we take a look and look into the scriptures to make sure that we see you know, who is it that can be deceived and what is it that they can be deceived about? So we look forward to you teaching us and guiding us today and helping us to see personally. We're not looking for anybody else other than ourselves. So will you teach us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Nick's going to come give us a high five. In the meantime, the fire pit is this week. What time does it start? Seven o'clock. Uh, come on out. We're going to ha- have. Uh, we're going to try to have some badminton, some competition games. Get your game on. Bring it out here. We need a couple people to bring and set them up. We're going to do corn toss. I'm going to personally purchase gift cards to Dairy Queen for the winners of those competitions. Maybe we could do Lifehouse versus um, Lifeline or something like that. So come on out and uh, and uh, uh, I have a ringer because Jesus is on my side. <laughs> Nick, take okay. it away. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Good. That's awesome. Okay, so right now we're going to do our high five. And if you don't know what high five is, it's when I give you guys a question, you get up, go say hi to five different people and see if they know the answer to this question. And this morning it is, what is the biggest reason that Americans waste money? So what is one of the biggest reasons Americans waste money? So get up, go find five different people and see if they know the answer to that question. everyone come grab a seat come grab a seat grab a seat everyone (laughs) come on lead them in lead them in (laughs) always works the paper yeah there you go (laughs) okay does anybody have any guesses of the answer any guesses at all burn a hole in my pocket pretty close pretty close well it's because it's the pressure to buy right this second right now uh, don't wait until it's too late. It's kind of like the pressure when you get on a, a car sales lot and all the salesmen come running out, like asking how you are. It's pretty much that kind of pressure. Like, okay, now I feel obligated to buy a really expensive car. So, yeah. Don't wait now. Limited time. So we spend our money because of the pressure. Thank you very much. Instant gratification. Exactly right. So, as we get ready to 
head into our message. Garrett, Tommy, you guys ready for that, that video for me? Hit the lights and play away, baby. Will you be able to show me a trick? Would you like to learn something? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to do this, okay? Okay. Examine the bill. There's nothing sticky on there. And also examine my thumbs. Make sure nothing sticky is on my thumbs. Very nice. Very good. Okay. All right, watch. And take the bill. We're going to fold it into thirds like this. And try an act of impossible balance. This is possible balance. Wow. <laughs> okay, man. This is crazy. Would you like to learn how to do that? I would love that. Okay, good. So you take the quarter and you slip it inside like this. Inside. Fold the quarter inside the bill like this. The quarter's right there. Okay. Like that. Oh, wow. And at the end, the quarter <laughs> slips into your hand like this. Hand it back. <coughs> but if they, should, they should see the quarter. All you have to do is take the quarter, hang it right there in the air. <laughs> Man, practice you that, have tricks inside a trick. Oh, yes. Illusion. Deception. All of the big dogs, Chris Angel, David Blaine, that he guy's a little weird, Penn and Teller, you know, all the different, I don't know about you, but when I watch magic and stuff like that, illusion, I always try to figure it out. Can I figure it out? Can I get a hold of it? Can I understand what's going on? And not very often, I have the ability to figure it out. Today, I want to talk to you about illusion. Scripture calls it Deception. And we are so very easily deceived. Pull out your smartphone if you have it or go to your sermon notes. Go on your smartphone to the Bible app. The, all, everything is right on there. And at the top of your notes, I have easy to deceive, you know. Now, what, there's about five different things that if you'll catch this, it'll make it much, much more difficult for you to be deceived in the world and in the scriptures. The first one is, is people begin to, they can play on your emotions. We're, we're emotional beings, and people who are good at this know that. The other thing then is, is that they move kind of fast, faster sometimes than we're comfortable with. Then something doesn't make sense in the story, but just because we're human beings and we're pretty trusting, we tend to trust them even though there's that little bit of something. The person who is saying something or teaching us something or trying to sell us something, they have this little bit of a troubled look on their face that we are reading a little bit. And then the most important thing is, is that they're impatient. That's what we kind of learned up on, on the screen up there. Let me give you a little scenario. Let's just use, let's just use preachers. Let's use a TV preacher. He comes on and uh, he sees that he begins to tell you that there's somebody hurting or something in their ministry that needs to be done and, 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 and you would do really well to really help because we can't do it without you. All right? And they, they're, he, he's an expert at it. And very quickly what he'll do is he'll move fast. He'll quote a passage of Scripture. And you think, well, that's biblical, even though you have no idea how out of context it might be. I don't know how many times I've heard a preacher quote, by his stripes we are healed, saying you should be healed, send me 50 bucks and you'll be healed. I can't tell you how many times. Out of context, Isaiah 53, 
by his stripes we are healed is not in reference to physical healing just yet. Do you know what it is? If not, you could be deceived. And then he goes and he'll read a letter from somebody about somebody who's healing. There's something not right in your mind. You're thinking, how do I know that that's true? But you kind of push beyond that. You know, his face has this troubled concern that he's showing how much he cares. And then, of course, he says to you, you've got to do it now, right? You've got to move fast. They're impatient because somebody is going to match your $100. But it's only for a limited time. Your $100 can become $200. What a deal. Send it to me, right? What's the harm in all of that? The harm in all of that is, I don't know, if you're deceived and it isn't really what's happening, uh, um, maybe you lose some money. You know, maybe that is just what the say. Maybe the, the harm really isn't all that great, but what if people see themselves, as I know most people do, as they spiritually got it all together? You ever try to teach somebody something that is biblical that they just think, nah. Jesus can't be the only way, truth. and He can't be the only way. That is so narrow-minded. You ever try to teach somebody that? People are experts. They're experts on what they think about spiritual things, what heaven is like, who goes to heaven, who God is and what he's like. Oh, God would never, and then you just fill in the blank. God would never, and you're thinking here thinking, oh, yes, he would, and he does. You know, God would never say anybody. All of my friends are in heaven. How about this one? Somebody passes away and they say they're in a better place. Are they? Do you have to consider that? How do you know that? What is the only way that, that somebody can enter heaven? If they, they know Jesus, that's the key, that's the hope, that's where it comes from. What is the harm in just not you know, really having to worry about what the Scripture says and just being deceived and, you know, having your own thoughts. I got, you got your thoughts. I, what's the harm in all of that? Possible eternal damnation. My concern today is, is that I'm going to come across as I am lecturing you and I got it all together, and you don't. That's my biggest concern. I was praying about this morning. That is not my intent. My intent is to lovingly ask you to say, not me, in regards to, not me, I won't be deceived. Not me, I will look into it. But I'd like to start from the opposite side of that and say, many, many, many people say, not me, I, I can't be deceived. So let's take a look at a couple different things. I want to look at three things. Something from the Old Testament, something from the Gospels, and something from the teaching epistles. Here's the first one. Who can be deceived? Number one, godly leaders. Godly leaders. You listen to who you're listening to. You watch who you are listening to. Here is Joshua, Moses' successor, leader. He, can, he defeats Jericho, Ai, and he's moving on. And all of the kings were in uh, Joshua, the ninth chapter. I only have a couple verses there, but you really need to turn to these in your Bible. All of these kings are hearing what's going on. They're gathering for war, except the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, uh, in verse four, uh, 3, they kind of figured, you know, maybe we can fool them a little bit. Verse 4 says, However, the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, and they resorted to a ruse, a trick, a deceit. And in that, what they said is, is uh, though they were neighbors, 
They said, we've come from a far distance. They went and found where Joshua was. When we left, these wineskins were brand new and now they're torn and tattered and our bread and everything is worn out in our sandals. We've come from a long distance. How about making a pact with us since we're not neighbors in this area of Canaan because Joshua was taking the promised land the promised land, and none of their enemies, none of the pagans were to stay. They were all to be driven out. And so here's these, uh, Joshua, and, and so these people show up, and they're saying, okay, well, we, we believe you. We, we listen to you. We hear where you've come from. They, they're going back and forth, and, and they said, our bread is, was warm when we left. In verse 14, the Israelites sampled their provisions but did not inquire of the Lord. We cannot be caught in doing that. Somebody's telling you a situation. You hear it. You believe it. Do you inquire about it? You know the phrase, well, let's just pray about it, should not be taken lightly. I talked to somebody just yesterday who was trying to plan for something on into the future and they have three people around them that is helping them pray about it so that they get guidance and direction in their life. So Joshua made a treaty with them by peace and let them live and the leaders found out their neighbors. They find out their neighbors. The people were angry. They said, we ought to kill them. And Joshua said, no, we have given them our word. We cannot and you can find out the rest of it. So many people resort to a ruse, a trick, a scam. Haven't you ever been scammed? Haven't you ever bought the Ronco knife on TV that cuts an aluminum can and you brought it home and cut no cans with it? Haven't you ever uh, gone into a, a, a car lot and what looks good, we ought to learn as we get a little bit older, maybe even as we're young, what if it looks good, it isn't always good, and if it's half true... The other half is not true, and the two cannot come together. If something seems to be good, too good to be true, the truth of the matter is sometimes it probably is. And if you can't figure it out, sometimes it's just best to be cautious and walk away and be, be a, a little bit conservative about it. Verse 14, they sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Folks, this is on you and me. This is on you to check what I teach. I have no problem with you opening the scriptures, reading it. I have no problem with you if you want to sit and have a conversation. This is on you. But they did not inquire of the Lord. You ever get fooled and paid for it for a long time? Just like, man, I, I just I gotta pay this refrigerator off. I gotta pay this car off. I got got fooled, this, that pressured into it, whatever it might be. Godly leaders. It wasn't his intention, but he was duped. Do you know how Hitler deceived Germany? Young people, a big part of it was selling what he taught and the passion and the rebellion against the government and he was recruiting young people. That's why young people in our country are starting to look at socialism and Marxism as a way to go. Especially since we're all going to pay for everything that they want. Godly leaders can be deceived. What's the harm? Jesus died to bless me, didn't he? Jesus doesn't really want me to be uh, sad. Some preachers teach that you get enough of the gospel, you hear just a little bit of it, but it's not the full gospel. They're 
Can, do you know the difference when you're listening to somebody? When they're teaching you all of the blessings and all the good part, but they're not teaching you to count the cost. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you better count the cost. Family doesn't even come first. You must hate your mother, your father, your brother and sister. Yeah, even your own life if you want to be my disciple. And the amazing thing about it is, is truly is how we find ourselves. What's the harm of not inquiring of the Lord? It's a little bit more harm than just not understanding or getting deceived by a car salesman or a Ronco knife or a magician. A little bit more because it's, it could be your eternal life. So if a godly leader like Joshua can be deceived, so can we. Take the thought, not me, out of your thinking and change it to, oh yeah, me. Yeah, that could possibly be me. Start to ask yourself, I always tell people, the, the one person that's the easiest to be deceived is somebody who thinks they are not being deceived or they cannot be deceived. Nobody walks around saying that, but that's what you think. I, I, got, I got my insight. We'll, we'll find out a balance to that. Number two is religious people. This comes from the Gospel of uh, Matthew seven fifteen. I have this in the New Living Translation. makes it maybe just a little bit clearer. Religious people, religious people. We kind of jokingly hear a song that mentions the Lord in the and I say, oh, they must be Christians. Really jokingly. Somebody says this, or somebody thanks God, this, that, the other. Oh, they must be Christians. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 7, 15, beware of false prophets who come to, disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. Caution! He's writing to his disciples. He's writing to you and me. It's in the scriptures all throughout. Beware of false prophets. How are you going to know if they're a false prophet? Somebody who's teaching the scriptures. Somebody who's teaching a Bible study. Somebody who writes a book. How are you going to know? The scriptures are our firm foundation. They come disguised as they're harmless, whatever, you know, sheep, and, but they're, they're vicious wolves. And he goes, says in verse 21, not everyone. Jesus is so exclusionary sometimes. He would never make it in this day and age. Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord. They got his name right. They got his title right. He's the Lord. Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Here, look at how exclusionary he is. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Enters mentioned twice, so you make sure you get it. Only those who do it. Uh, on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We prophesied, we preached, you know, we taught us something, we, we were talking about you. Uh, we prophesied in your name, we cast demons out. Man, there was power in what we did. And performed miracles in your name, but Jesus, look at verse 23. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth. Nobody gets into heaven except through me. At the heavenly gates, look at verse 23, but I will reply. Jesus, I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Or you, I think the King James says, you uh, doer of wickedness. Uh, I forget the exact quote there. See, there's this great expectation among church-going people that everybody enters heaven, that everybody will get in, and their hope is in what they are doing in Jesus' name. 
what they are doing in Jesus. Now, it is, of course, we are to be doing things in Jesus' name, but it has to be centered in God's will. How do you discover God's will? Well, maybe you're trying to find what job you are trying to get. Okay, there's some praying, there's some seeking, but do you know the Bible is full of God's known will? All throughout the Gospels, Jesus teaches us what to do and how to respond. All throughout the epistles, we're taught how we're to live. The known will of God is all throughout the scriptures. And throughout every day, 95% of what you can do and should be doing should be found in God's will. It's what God wants. Not what I discover I, I want to do. Hey, because, you know, after all, I, I'm a follower of Christ. I, I'm a Christian. I, but I do it a little bit differently. You know this is why the Galatians were rebuked. The Galatians started out with their tremendous faith and love and filled with the Spirit and they did everything that came from that and they began to fall back into what they were doing. Now folks, that can happen to me so easily. You know, it gets to the place where it's just like, you know, I'm a doer, do, do, do. And it's just like, man, I don't sense God's presence. And that should be the caution. You got to know God's presence and experience it to know if it's missing. The key, Jesus said, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Little by little, religious people begin to make excuses for not doing God's will. The number one, as best as I can see, the number one breaking of the Ten Commandments is not adultery. It's close. But I'm worried about Christians. It's probably using the Lord's day as my day, our work day, or family day. The Sabbath. I just turn it around, change it a little bit. God's understanding. He has no problem with that. He gets it. You know, somebody decides, well, I have a very good reason not to go to church. I, 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 my kids, this, that, the other, they have a good reason not to serve, not to fellowship, not to tithe. If anybody has an excuse not to tithe, you know, I have a... My, Jesus understands. I never knew you. Some pretty, pretty tough words. Where God has spoken clearly in the Scriptures, so very often Christians say, meh. You know how that's spelled? M-A-M-E-H. My daughter taught me that. Meh. Jesus has spoken clearly. I need an emoji. Meh. That's kind of how we approach it sometimes. You cannot be forgiven by God unless you forgive. God understands this, the, the, what this person did to me. Mm, mm, mm. Meh. To what Jesus says. His will and his way. Are you walking with Jesus? Is he talking to you through his word? The, the word of God is there for training, correcting, rebuking, you know, and leading us into righteousness. Have you been in the word and it rebuked you? Have, have you been in the word and it corrected you and trained you to walk righteously? How does it, what does it mean to be righteous? Do what God says is right. All throughout what he says and all of his teachings, do what God says is right. News flashed to myself and all of you. Don't look at what you are doing. That was the problem with religious people. You have to be doing God's will, and the way you're doing God's will is to be found in Jesus Christ. Did Jesus really mean it when he said, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again? Just a picture word, everybody, of turning from my life and turning to his life, of being, you know, 
you're born of the flesh, but the Spirit lays dead and dormant until you are born again. That's what he meant by that. That's in John the third chapter. Discover God's known will by reading his scripture, doing what it says, Bible study at the lake, this Wednesday and Thursday, Bible study, we're going through the big dogs of the Old Testament. Come out, ask your questions. Come to the fire pit this week. Ask your questions. We'll sit around, we'll find out some things, and we'll, we'll learn together. So I asked myself about the question, when's the last time you discovered some religious activity that was not God's will? Or maybe... It was the opposite of God's will, and I made an excuse for it. Do you have any fear that those who Jesus told to get away from me might be you? Or are you sitting here today saying, not me, that's somebody else. I, I'm, I'm secure. I'm secure. I'm okay. God will never let me out of his hand quoting a passage of scripture out of context look at the context of that number three who can be deceived lazy theologians you don't have to worry about that you're not a theologian well the word theologian simply means studier of God and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ if you're a disciple of his you are a studier of God so you are a theologian pat yourself on the back you are a theologian. But there are lazy theologians who just want to believe what they want to believe and they want to head down a path they want to head down. You know, Jesus said, love me with your heart, soul, and I always talk about this mind. Where's your mind? Connect your mind into the scriptures. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit to help teach you, taught all throughout the scriptures. He's the one that reveals. Here's 2 John. And in John the... 2 John, the first chapter, here's, what is this? I have verse 6 here, I think you have 7. And he says, this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. Now that sounds like works. It's not. If you love him, you'll keep his commands. This is love, that we obey his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. To walk in love means you obey his commands. And here's verse 7. I say this because many deceivers. You see them? Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh as a human have gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver and the antichrist. Not the big antichrist but they have an antichrist spirit about them watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully folks it's not enough to believe in Jesus we have to have correct theology and if you've never really uh, grappled with is Jesus God you need to because there are those out there that, that do not believe Jesus is God. Who is Jesus? This passage of Scripture says you've got to believe he's come in the flesh. Now, do you know John wrote five books in the Bible? The Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. In the Gospel of John, he wants to make sure you know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us that says Jesus is God go to the book of Revelation 
right at the beginning of it, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the whole book is about, that he gave to John. Here he's saying it again. He has come in the flesh. God has come in the flesh because if you don't know that, you don't believe that, you don't realize that God paid for your sins, that God went to the cross, that God is the one who loved you so much. Folks, there are cults out there. They believe Jesus is Lord. They believe Jesus is Savior. You ask them if they believe Jesus is God in the flesh. The answer is no. Oh, what's going to happen to them? They are anti-Christ. This is a big, this may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to God. And if it's a big deal to him, it's got to be a big deal to me too. It's, it's just not enough. Look at verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Sometimes you think, well, we'll just be kind to them. I know you want to be kind to them, whatever, but you need to make firm what it is you believe because they will come knocking on your door. I'm talking about Jehovah Witness. I'm talking about Mormons. I'm talking about anybody else. You know, Islam, Buddhist, whatever. Jesus, he was just a really nice prophet, a nice guy. Not God. Antichrist. Antichrist. Do you just believe Jesus is a good guy? If you do, you've been deceived like many millions of people that teach the opposite. It's no wonder. Uh, uh, two, two Gospels teach the same truth, Matthew and Luke. Many will enter destruction for wide and broad is the gate that goes there. Narrow is the path and narrow the door that leads to eternal life and very few find it. Two different gospels teach that. We want to make sure we're not saying, not me, I couldn't be deceived. Our pride comes to us in so many different ways. Pick up your Bible and read it. Get into a Bible study and learn it. Don't take on the attitude, not me, when it comes to being deceived. Take on the attitude, yeah, possibly me. And search the book that man cannot tear down and cannot find a a way to do away with it. Otherwise, they would open the Scriptures. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you the counselor. I'm going to leave you the one who walks alongside with you the Spirit of God, to bring you into all truth. So what is the harm in being deceived? You know, most people really just kind of just butter over it. Honestly, you talk to some, and I'm talking Christians, and I'm talking about some people who are religious people. They may wear the title. They kind of look at it as butter. You know, they've been deceived here. They've been deceived there, and it's just kind of like it kind of a little bit gets warm, and it just melts away. They never deal with it. So they're still living with a deception. When the truth of the matter is, deception is a bitter root. It is a bitter root that comes in. It begins to wrap itself and entangle you. It pulls you down, it grabs your heart, and it'll drag your soul to hell. I have in your notes, not me also, because if I could, could I just mention several different things? What are several of the things that 
people say, you know, not, not, not me, uh, somebody else, but not me. How about the phrase, boys will be boys? Which means they'll just do things that boys are going to do. They're going to look at this. They're going to look at pornography. They're going to do this, that, the other. Boys will be boys. Have you read your Bible? Have you read the first several chapters of Proverbs and the teaching that dads are to teach their sons about wayward women and that type of thing? You say boys will be boys, and God says, no, no man, no sir, no ma'am, no. How about foul language? Place after place after place, you look in the scriptures and uh, you know, if you're struggling with foul language and you have, you're swearing this, that, whatever, and you're saying, I'm, I'm trying to break this, okay, great. But if you fail, you know, everybody's going to do it. And you just keep on with it. Number one, it hurts your testimony so bad. Number two, Jesus isn't powerful enough to stop you to, to, to swear. Number three, the scripture says, what comes out of your mouth is what's really Don't, don't, don't just gloss over foul language. I Christian all the time. How about music? Ooh, that's a tough one, you know. I like the beat, but I really don't listen to the words, even though the words are anti-Christ and anti-moral and everything. I just, I just, I just listen to the, I like the beat. Music. Making an excuse for what's being sung and what's on the radio, whatever, just say, you know. How about this one? I hear this a lot of times. They say something that they're doing that they literally know is not right, and they say, but I'm still a Christian. They're not doing God's will. They're doing the opposite of what the Scripture teaches, and they say, but I'm, but I'm still a Christian. Truly depending on, I understand there's grace, and I understand there's love, but why is there warning after warning after warning in the Scriptures? We did the book of Hebrew. Wow, you talk about a book full of warnings? The book of Hebrew, Wow. I'm still a Christian, you know. We believe something for such a very long time. You hear some type of a different teaching, you kind of push it right aside and won't even look into it. That's a, that's a problem for preachers. You hear something, you teach something for a long time. You can't open your mind up to listen and to, treat, and to read and say, is this, is this true? Here's one that will make everybody jump up and say, yes! Animals. Americans love their animals. You love your animals. Your cats, your dogs. People, people were asked a question, if your neighbor or your dog was drowning, which would you save first? Yeah, you laugh. You know what the answer is for most people, don't you? People love their animals, and they think you love their animals. Get your mangy mud away from me. I don't know what the thing has. Cincinnati Zoo a couple years ago little boy like none of us have ever had a kid get away from us right little boy ends up in the gorilla cage the little gorilla takes him pounds him a little bit they have to shoot they have to shoot the gorilla to save the boy's life did you see the firestorm that ensued after that they were calling for the heads of those parents they wanted the parents to be prosecuted because to many people the gorilla was more important than the boy what does the scripture say about that? Man, we love our animals. The asterisk, the central point of what I want to say to you to do today is that the fear of the Lord keeps Christians from being deceived. 
where the fear of the Lord is not present and grace covers everything, deception exists. I, when is the last time you heard a Christian song that didn't talk about the love of God and the grace of God? I love it, but how about the wrath of God and how about deception? You got to go to some of the hymns to hear some of those teachings. Millions of high school students, because their parents would not teach them how to think critically, will get their faith robbed from them by a college professor who will mock them and who will in an argument they'll have no answer, and that is on Christian parents because you did not teach them how to think critically. You know they're headed for a train wreck. Prepare them. It is up to us to prepare them. And maybe one of the greatest deceptions is people think this is my home. Oh, we would never say that in church, but we live like earth is our home. We enjoy it. We hold on to it. This is our home. And your heart was never intended to function properly here. It's intended to function properly in the kingdom of heaven, which does begin inside of you The kingdom of heaven set up in the hearts of people first and then eventually in the the new heaven and the new earth. I have at the bottom of your notes a challenge to become like the Bereans. Paul is going from place to place. He's preaching the gospel every evening. He goes to the Thessalonica Thessalonica, and the people kind of reject him there. I love the Bereans. Acts 17, 11 through 12. Now the Berean Jews, they're Jews, so they're not necessarily followers of Christ, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scripture every day to see if what Pastor Evan was preaching was true. I'm okay with it. Paul, if what Paul... Paul wrote more books in the New Testament than anybody. They were examining to see. They compared what he had to say with the Scriptures. That's what you have to do and what I have to do. As a result, many of them believed. They found it was scriptural. And look at this. The Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and Greek men. Greek women, Greek men. Here, the Scripture teaches us so very clearly. And I will have stories to close with you and I, got, I have three questions for you today. You're, you're on the hot seat today. You have to answer these three questions. Let me tell you the story. I went to uh, uh, get a DVD from Redbox. Marie and I were going to spend some time just at home, the two of us, watching a movie. A father walks up, a husband walks up, whom I happen to know. We chatted for a while. He had been in church for a while, and he hadn't been away. He hadn't been back, but he's, he's, uh, he's telling me about his 19-year-old son. He's telling me about his 14-year-old, his 2-year-old, and just talking back and forth. And, you know, people lots of times in public don't like to see me coming. But in all honesty, they should think the same about you if you love them, if you care about them. And so I asked him, you know, um, I haven't seen you in church. You haven't been to church for a couple years. What's going on? He says, hey, my wife just said recently, I don't know if it, you know the only thing that would mess this story up is if he came to church today and he's not here. So anyway. The wife says to him, we really need to get back to church. And so last Sunday, if I remember, if I got a last Sunday, he gets up, he gets ready to come to church, and she's like, I just really don't feel like I'm going to go today. So they all stayed home. Now, only thing that would mess the story up today if he's here today, but so I, I got three questions for you. 
What does the Bible teach that this husband's responsibility is? Number one, what is it? Do you know what the Bible teaches this husband, this father's responsibility is? If you don't, you need to search it out. Number two, which of these three passages today applies to this situation? The godly leader, Joshua, who was deceived? The religious people who thought they were doing what was right but weren't doing God's will? The lazy theologian who really didn't know that Jesus is God or didn't claim Jesus is God or wouldn't accept Jesus is God? Which of those three applies? And then the third question I have for you is, where will he and his family spend eternity? Oh, Evan, you're just judging people. Isn't that a wonderful deflection when somebody's presented the truth? Ugh. Where's he going to spend eternity? That's not my call. That's not for me. I can't make that call. Not me. Not me. Don't you love this family enough to warn them? You know, there's a book Maria was telling me is out. There's a book out written by a guy who doesn't believe in hell, Rob Bell, is called Love Wins. There's an article in one of her magazines that says, Love Warns. Yes. Well, it warns and it warns and it warns. Don't you love some family you know enough to tell them or to challenge them? Are you okay with the possibility that they will be tormented in the blackest darkness for eternity? That is, unless there is no such place as hell. Lord, we just, first of all, thank you for such a tough message. We thank you for um, leading our pastor to preach such a thing. We know there's a lot of churches who would never preach and teach us the warnings that your Bible and your word has clearly stated. And so while we may be grappling and wrestling with this and wondering where we may be deceived, um, we also thank you for warning us so that way we can check our hearts this week and throughout the coming months, um, search your Holy Spirit, ask for your Holy Spirit, if we've never felt it before, that you would guide us um, and that the next couple of days we won't be deceived and let this message fall from our hearts, but that we would look over our notes, that we would find the message online and listen to it again so we can wrestle and deal with what we may be deceived, so we can have that assurance in our hearts that we do know you and we will be going to heaven, that we are not being deceived, and then help us love our family, love our friends enough to kindly and lovingly create those relationships where we can also warn them in love. Let us not be deceived. Send your Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. Show us this week where we may be deceived and give us the courage and the strength to deal with it. Thank you for your word and for guiding us and for not leaving us to deal with it on our own. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to go through a couple announcements. First up at the usher room.